to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Well, in case you haven't heard, we do have a guest preacher this morning, and I am excited to hear what they're going to bring. So, in case you don't know who it is, I'll give you a couple of clues. One, he is a legal expert. Two, he is a world-class percussionist. And three, he's just an all-around cool guy. So, can we welcome Fletcher Hyacinth this morning? Thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate that. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Yes, as was mentioned, my name is Fletcher Hyacinth, and uh, um, I have a number of folks that are present here that I have to make sure I don't embarrass, uh, including, of course, our pastors, um, both visiting and current. And uh, my parents are here. I think my kids are somewhere as well. And uh, there they are. And uh, I have some sixth and seventh grade guys that I also teach that are probably hoping I don't embarrass them as well. Um, uh, so a couple of things that I probably need to do first off the bat, and for you all online watching, uh, please do not adjust your equipment. This is, in fact, Trinity United Methodist in Ruston, Louisiana, um, and I'm sure somewhere online there's some guy that's saying, uh, hey, Ethel, there's that uh, Jamaican guy that keeps calling saying that you want a million dollars. I think that's him right there. <laughs> Well, no, it's not him. It's somebody else. Um, the fact is, uh, I am from Trinidad. Trinidad is uh, a little um, country in the uh, Caribbean. Uh, in a little while, you always see some pictures here. It's the birthplace of uh, the steel drum, which uh, I'm not sure if there's a picture of the steel drum back there, but um, uh, a steel drum is a wonderful um, little instrument that was made back in the I think the end of the beginning of the 19th century. And you can see that map there as it uh, kind of pans out and disappeared. Uh, we have uh, a map of the world and it starts off and it's zooming in. And if you look closely, you can see this chain of islands that is part of the archipelago, uh, the Caribbean islands. As you zoom in a little closer, there's Trinidad and Tobago right down there. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago is the last island uh, just before you hit South America. So there's this spattering of islands that kind of fall all the way down to um, to South America and Trinidad and Tobago is right there towards the bottom. Uh, It's the last one down there. Um, And uh, it's it's about the size of um, Lincoln and Union Parish, right? So imagine that size, and there's 1.2 million people, I believe, is how much the population is. Pretty significant, and um, that's where I hail from originally. Um, I came originally to Florida, where I came to do studies and so on. I... uh, Came here on an undergrad degree. Uh, I'd gotten a scholarship. Worked really hard for that scholarship. Um, and I came up here originally with just a lot of expectations and hopes and dreams. And uh, I've got the judge here, too, who is also going to be critiquing me later on. But uh, uh, <laughs> during this process, I started off and did my undergrad in Florida. And then I went on to do law school at Loyola and eventually found my way here to Ruston, um, which has been a great and wonderful experience. I uh, raised my family here. And... Um, and that's been pretty interesting. During that process, though, I remember there were some things that started before that, right? So my parents, who are also here, they did a lot of sacrifices to just get me here, right? Um, one of the things that I remember from when I was growing up, 
I was the first one in our family to come to America. I mean, we'd never even been, never visited. No one in my family had done that before. And um, I remember at one point when I'd gotten this acceptance letter to school, I remember thinking to myself, well, this is great, but how are we going to do that? There's no way we can afford to do that. A number of you all here are thinking the same thing because some of you all are in school and have kids that are going to be in school, and that's a very present thought that you'll have, right? Um, I remember at one point my parents actually sold a family car to try and get some of the money together to even get the plane ticket to get me here. I think it was about $300 in traveler's checks that they also gave me that I came with when I came to this country. My uncle, who, uh, Uncle Peter, who actually was in, I think he was in New York at the time, um, he was one of the few folks that I knew that was up here. I had another aunt as well that was in some other part of Florida. But I figured, well, in a place like Trinidad, which I'm familiar with, coming to America, it's not that big of a deal, right? So I should be fine. Um, but it's a big country, America is. And it's very different from a small place like Trinidad. And a place like Florida turned out to be a lot bigger than I imagined it was going to be. Um, so I remember thinking about how scared I was and how nervous I was. I remember thinking about the fact that these folks from my local church, Maranatha Gospel Hall in Trinidad, they gathered around and they prayed for me to send me off. They anointed my head with oil. Um, I remember a number of people in the church, uh, some of them who have gone on um, to be with the Lord, that prayed for me. Um, for quite a while, they just spent their time praying for me just because I was getting ready to do this sojourn, this journey, this adventure that I wasn't aware of what I was going to be facing. I remember feeling this great sense of responsibility as I left to come up here because there were so many things that went into just getting me here. And it was scary. And I've got to tell you, there's something about these accents that can make things a little difficult to understand, right? Even now as I'm speaking, you all are thinking to yourself, well, I'm kind of getting what he's saying. <laughs> I hope he slows on just a little bit more, but that probably won't happen. Um, <laughs> so we're going to try a little um, kind of a fun exercise, right? If you can, um, I want you all to try this here. Some of you all have probably heard these accents. So I'm going to see if you all can do this with me. So some of you all know like how a British person might sound, right? How do you do, sir? Uh, that's great. Wonderful to meet you. Um, uh, jolly good day, sir. Uh, you all can practice that, right? And turn to your neighbor and try this, right? As an Englishman, say the word beer can, right? Just say beer can. Can I have that beer can? All right, that's good, that's good. That's, I'm hearing some of you all say it. All right, okay, now I want you to practice a different thing. Now pretend you're Jamaican, all right? Everybody Jamaican here, you feel it? You feel it in your roots? All right, come on with me now. All right, you feel that Jamaican coming out? Nice, I hear it, I like it, I love it. I want you to say now bacon. Now if you think about it, the words bacon as an Englishman and the words bacon as a Jamaican, they sound exactly the same. My part behind that little joke is the fact that when you come up here, even if you're speaking English, it's really easy to be misunderstood. It's really easy to be um, mistaken for certain things and, and to get certain messages mixed up. That happens fairly frequently. Even in my own household, it happens. Even on the job, it happens. Um, and the fun thing about that is we're still speaking English. And even with that English, man, we have some differences. Now, I'm not going to try to do it very well, but if you're in Monroe and you, let's see, if you're, uh, Monroe, can I, be, can I get a Monroe accent? Uh, accent? Uh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Y'all are like, well, he better stop doing that. Uh, 
<laughs> I'll tell you one of the things that's kind of neat about this process, which I, I wonder if it maybe was the same when Jesus came here, right? Because I think Jesus and myself would have probably heard the same thing from someone in Union Parish, right? You know, as a little baby, Jesus would have probably heard, you're not from around here, are you, boy? That's one of those things. I fully expect that Jesus and I had some similar experiences with just that type of communication. Well, one of the things that I wanted to do um, was think about what it was like for these folks coming onto the planet, right? So uh, I'm going to do some reading for some passages really quickly. Um, and we're going to start off with uh, Matthew 1, 18 to 24, which is probably going to be on the screen somewhere. And we're going to try a little um, thing here. I'm going to read through this very quickly because um, it's a lot of verses, but you all will read with me. As I'm reading quickly, you all will notice your brain will start adjusting to my accent because you're reading the words on the screen, even though I'm speaking it very quickly. Just follow along and see what happens. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to her son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's turn now to Luke 1, 26-38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the, Lord, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, who will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who said, was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. In Luke 2, verses 1 to 7, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a degree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So then, I've read that really quickly, and you all followed along, and strangely, your brains were actually adjusting to my accent as I was reading because you were reading along with it. It's kind of a fun thing. 
Now that I'm speaking, I'm going to slow down quite a bit so you can actually understand what I am saying. The fact is, this is a story that we've heard before, this Advent story, right? Um, there are some parts of it though, that I find a little hilarious. For example, the angel comes to Mary, and the angel comes to Mary just physically. Mary is actually talking to the angel. The angel says, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. All right, now think about that. All right, so imagine you're down railroad park. All right, someone comes up to you and says, hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. God loves you. God is interested in you. And the first thing that happens, the very first thing that happens, is that you are terrified. You are just unashamedly, unabated, just, just terrified, right? Because God is interested in me? Well, that's, that's a little scary. That's what the scripture says was Mary's response when the angel of the Lord said to her, not even anything else other than, let's see, what was the words? Uh, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What about that is terrifying? What about that causes concern or causes that momentary pause? I think for Mary, she realized something that was very significant because, well, that means that God's now thinking about me doing something. And if you think about it, that's something that gives us all a little pause, doesn't it? Um, and that was Mary's first response. I also think it's hilarious what happened with Jacob, all right? Because, I mean, not Jacob, Joseph. Joseph actually doesn't get visited directly by an angel while he's awake. Bless him. Poor Joseph gets visited while he's dreaming, all right? An angel comes to him in his dreams. And I have to wonder if maybe that's because Joseph may have had a little bit of problems with this whole notion of an angel coming to visit him. And I have to think about this, and, and I apologize, mom and dad, for saying this, but if I'm Joseph, I might have peed a little if the angel came to me in my sleep. I'm, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> it's a little unnerving, right? Um, <laughs> because the angel's coming to you to tell you something that's fairly significant. It's not that you're just going to be, you know, having this person that you're, in you're betrothed to that might have a child. This is the savior. This is the person that we've been long awaiting, long expecting, hoping for, praying for. And it's going to be with the person that I'm betrothed to. That's, that's a big deal. That's a very big deal. So there are a couple of points that I wanted to make um, today. And um, we're going to start off with uh, a little video before we do that. Do you all remember that 80s um, sitcom, um, Different Strokes? I don't know if we have the video for that queued up at all. Uh, maybe not. Well, if it does come on, that's great. But uh, if it doesn't, I do have a, um, a little kind of a fun thing to, to do. Some of you all that know this one. You remember Arnold from the Different Strokes? What did Arnold used to say? What are you talking about Willis? That's right. That's right. Very good. You know, he did that thing with his lips and stuff. What are you talking about Willis? It was very funny. It was hilarious. Um, and he would always do that in response to when Willis would suggest something that really kind of caught him off guard or that was really outlandish or sometimes even doing something that was the right thing. Right? I kind of feel like that sometimes when the Holy Spirit tells me to do something. It's kind of, what are you talking about, Holy Spirit? <laughs> Y'all don't feel like that? Because I do feel like that sometimes. And, and I feel like in a lot of situations, especially in the situation when you had Mary and Joseph getting this visit from the angels, that's kind of the response. What are you talking about, Holy Spirit? What are you talking about, angel? And I think when we get that happening, it does result in something that's a pause that happens inside us. And so today I wanted to talk about three main points. All right? The first one has to do with the details and the fact that we have this phrase that's called the devil's in the details. You all know that phrase, and it's not up on the screen either, but um, 
The devil isn't in the details. You know what that means? The devil's in the details. Some of you all have heard that before. It's a phrase that um, has been credited to a number of different people. I believe Nietzsche also is credited with saying it. Um, the phrase originated, actually, from God is in the details. That's where it originated from. And that particular phrase is a little different. The phrase actually means be careful or pay attention to the details. All right? Now, as an attorney, one of the things that you have to do on a regular basis is pay attention to some of those little details because they will sometimes catch you up. As a doctor, you have to pay attention to the details. Um, actually, everyone in here has to pay attention to the details. As I'm speaking, some of you are trying hard to understand what the details are, what I'm saying. Paying attention to the details is really, really important. But the phrase, the devil's in the details, is actually a strange phrase because even though it was originally said to be God is in the details, it actually takes away God. Do you know why? It tends to make you think of focusing on your ability to pay attention to details. In other words, if you can just focus hard enough, if you can be perfect enough in your attention to detail, and you can do just, just right, then you can get this particular thing good. All right? So you have an exam coming up. If you pay attention to the details, you'll be successful. That kind of involves God, but mostly involves you. If you've got this particular trip you've got to go on, you've got your Google Maps, and you pull it out, and you get that on your phone, and you pay attention to the details about turn left here, turn right here. Excellent. Is God involved? Not as much. Um, or you pay attention to the details in the creating a particular structure or a small, um, uh, that's a formula car, for example. That's great. But paying attention to the details actually oftentimes excludes God. The only time God is usually included whenever you're talking about paying attention to the details is when you've messed up. Because you're like, uh, let's see, I got this just right. Oh, I messed it up. Oh, God. That's usually when God is involved. Not actually in the process of, hey, God, I need some help with this. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a lot of details. I need your help in that. So paying attention to details, or God is in the details, is a phrase that actually inherently involves taking God out of it. I think that the devil isn't in the details. Point number two, faith is in the details. All right, so we have a situation here that I thought was always interesting. Joseph and Mary, they get these instructions, right? And something's back on the screen, that's good. Um, and these instructions that they have. Do you remember them being told to go to a place where there's a manger? Do you remember them saying when the angel came to him and said, hey, this is what I want you to do. I need to get her together and um, you need to do this or practice this during this period of time. In the passages I just read, actually that's not what happened. There's an absence of that. And that is a little interesting. So here's the thing that's kind of fun about this. All right, so imagine you're Mary, and you get this message from the angel saying, hey, I need you to do something. And Mary's response is, that's immediately told you, hey, I'm terrified. How many of you all get that response and you're immediately happy? Because sometimes that does happen, right? I can think of a time in my life when I was excited about getting some information, and I was being challenge to be a man of God, to, to step up to the plate. And so I do what's called the awesome sauce dance, right? You all know that dance? Awesome sauce. Awesome. No one's seen the dance. And I see Angelica has put her head down. Sorry, Angelica. Um, um, but, but the awesome sauce dance, that's what you do, right? When you get that call from God that says, hey, I want you to do this. No? No, actually, 
that's not what happens. And the reason for that is sometimes because of what's involved. See, when Joseph and Mary are told what they're told, when God doesn't go into details, do you know what's involved in the minute details? In other words, let's say God said, hey, Fletcher, I think you should come to America. And God says to my mom and dad, listen, I want you all to take this, this action, this act of sacrifice that you're going to do, and I promise I'll take care of him. I don't think God went into the details about what that would mean. I don't know that God said specifically, hey, when you come up here, I need you to watch out because at this particular terminal, you need to take terminal F and the baggage is really slow. So I need you to wait until your particular luggage comes around this particular corner, grab it really quickly and run over to terminal G because if you don't, you won't make that particular connecting flight. God didn't tell me those particular details when he told me to come here. God didn't tell me the particular details it has to do with, hey, guess what? When you get to America, you might actually have this experience where you might form a family. Okay, that sounds great. What about when you have a child? Um, when you have a child, is it something that you kind of go, well, that's exciting, that's wonderful, I know I'm going to have a child. What's involved in that? The details are the things that you don't get a lot of information about. How many of you are parents out here? We've got a couple, excellent. Um, do you all remember that weird sensation that you had when you left the hospital and they didn't give you an instruction book? It's one of those things where you kind of go, okay, y'all are really going to let me walk out here with this child? <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm leaving. Once I get out the door, I'm, I don't know if this is legal, but uh, y'all give me a child. So, um, A lot of the details, we don't really know. We get that in the process of living, and that's where faith comes. And one of the things that is really neat about this is where Joseph and Mary, even when they didn't know all the details, they were responding in faith. What is it like being a kid today? Jake? <laughs> I got some folks that are out here that are thinking, well, you know, it's a little easy, but no, it's actually really difficult. We as adults think, well, we've been there, you have it really light. But for a kid today, they're thinking, well, actually, it's a lot of difficulty. There's some tough things that I have to deal with. There's some tough decisions. There's some things that make me feel like I don't know how to handle that. There's some things that make me feel like I wish I could do this better. I wish I knew more information. What about if you're a teenager? Parents are listening to you a little bit, not listening to you enough. There are various details that are aspects of our lives that we actually don't get a chance to go into most times on a Sunday morning. But we still believe and expect that you're supposed to have faith during that entire process. We still believe and expect that faith means that even if we don't tell you all the details, God's going to help you through that. I want to reiterate the fact that I believe when Mary and Joseph was making the decision that they were doing, the decision to do what they did, there were a lot of aspects of faith that were involved in the day-to-day details that they were doing. All right, the last point I was going to make because of time, and I was told to not go on for too long, and I believe the judge is going to cut me off at some point, and a few other people in the audience, which is good. Um, point number three is, oh wait, there is no point number three. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just did that because most times in these services, people have three points, and I was like, oh, cool, I'll do that too. And then I was like, no, I'm not going to have a point number three. Okay, that's not true. Okay, <laughs> I have a little bit of a point number three. All right, um, so Matthew and Luke primarily go into some details about Jesus' birth. Um, do you all think it's interesting that um, in the details of Jesus' birth, we don't actually hear about this donkey that allegedly was involved in this journey? 
I mean, we have this notion, right? And we've seen the comics and the animated series. Um, I know my kids and I will sit down and watch the Abominable Snowman on um, television. Because that was in Matthew, wasn't it? With, um, remember the Abominable Snowman? And I think it was that time when um, that, uh, that reindeer that had the glowing nose. What was his name again? Um, that was in Luke. That was in Luke. Um, and then there was also... The cattle, that's also in a song that we sing. I mean, away in a manger, the cattle are lowing. You remember reading that? We just read that in, in Matthew, was it? Um, actually, no, the, there are some references that we don't have in the Bible. We've kind of filled in some gaps, right, over the years. And they're great. They're wonderful. And we have this notion in our mind that this is what was. It was this picturesque scene. And Jesus came onto this planet, and there was this wonderful array of, uh, of this, 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 this angelic, um, uh, setting, right, where we have uh, a number of animals there that are sitting quietly, peacefully, um, looking on um, with, with worship and adoration at this uh, child that had come into the world, right? Y'all, y'all see it? Y'all, y'all got it from Matthew and Luke? But that's not what I read. I didn't read that. Even in all these details, y'all remember sometimes when you create your nativity scene? There's this child that's in the manger, Here's a lamb next to the child. Um, there's a donkey maybe to the side and stuff. And we have the shepherds and they're all like, man, these are some well-behaved animals. Um, but interestingly, in these details, right, that we sometimes have, um, that we've created in our minds, they're not actually consistent with what the Bible says. What is actually important in the details of what the Bible story is, is our actual presence. Not actually the lamb or the donkey, um, it's us. Because we are in the Bible story. Our presence in the Bible story is our act of faith in the details, our recognition that um, when we get that commandment that says that we're supposed to do X or Y, it's going to be scary. Some of the details we won't know. But it's okay. We can still do the awesome source dance and say, thank you, God, I appreciate it, and I will have faith that you will see me through the details. That's all I got. I think the band, oh, the band is here. This is great. Um, I'll tell you one last story real quick about the band and I. You know, every uh, week we have the preacher will come up here and I'll preach and give the um, sermon and so on, and I'm usually sitting on one of these spots here, and then they will say the band's going to come up, right, which is kind of a fun time for us to be aware to come up, and then I realize hey, the rest of the band's down here. So if you guys are in the back there ever, you'll see me like booking it, like just running, because I'm in Run For God too, just running around here to come down here to get in the back so I can be in the back of the band. Um, it's been a great experience um, for me to be able to play with them and worship with them and worship with you all. Um, and I've once again got to say thank you to uh, my pastor to, for allowing me the opportunity to speak with you all this morning. I will say this, one of the things that's kind of fun is that I know that he and a number of others are there with their fingers crossed that I'll actually do well. Well, mostly fingers crossed um, <laughs> that I'll do well. And so thank you very much for that. And uh, let's go ahead and sing a song. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.